From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler. As Georgia continues its role as the center of the political universe, what could be more interesting than a rematch of the 2018 governor's race? We are one Georgia. Regardless of the pandemic or the storms, the obstacles in our way or the forces determined to divide us. How about relitigating 2020 as well? Unfortunately, today, we're divided, and Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger are to blame. Look, I like Brian. This isn't personal. It's simple. He has failed all of us and cannot win in November. Governor Brian Kemp was already facing a difficult campaign to run against Democrat Stacey Abrams after winning by about 55,000 votes in 2018. But now, because of Trump's obsession with losing Georgia in 2020, Kemp might not even make it out of the GOP primary. Former U.S. Senator David Perdue announced he's challenging Kemp. He lost a January runoff in part because data showed false claims about the election kept conservative voters home. And of course, Perdue immediately received a Trump endorsement. Democrats see an opening to win back some control over state government, even as nationally, the picture is less rosy. This week, we look at what will certainly be an historic election cycle to become Georgia's next governor. Brian Kemp is a Republican and has been his entire life. Since taking office in 2019, he's championed conservative causes like restricting abortion access, streamlining government spending, tackling gang violence and human trafficking, and focusing on growing economic opportunities, especially in rural Georgia. You'd think that would make him a shoe-in to win the GOP primary nomination again, right? Brian Kemp is probably Georgia's most conservative governor in history. Uh, he's done everything he needs to do. He's, uh, you know, we've, we've cut taxes, we've increased teacher pay, we've navigated through a pandemic, we've got $6 billion in a rainy day fund. Well, not exactly. You see, in 2020, there were elections up and down the ballot for candidates and over issues ranging from the coronavirus to the economy to education. And yet, for one VIP, that's very important president, only one thing matters. And by the way, we never forget 2020, just in case you have any questions. We're not forgetting 2020. Most corrupt election in the history of our country. Most corrupt election in the history of most countries. That's right, it's the 2020 election results. In case you've been visiting a remote island for the past 13 months, Trump lost Georgia by about 12,000 votes. He didn't take it well. Republicans of all stripes made false claims about Georgia's voting system, absentee ballots, election laws, poll workers, and more to try and change the outcome. Kemp is on the short list of those who did not. He would know how the election process works, too, having served as Secretary of State for several years. And who appointed him to Secretary of State in 2010? Then-Governor Sonny Perdue, cousin of David Perdue. Now you see how this battle over the governor's race has layers of interest. Let's fast forward to the 2018 governor's race, when Brian Kemp, the chief election official, was not even the favorite. Lieutenant Governor Casey Cagle was top of the pack in a crowded Republican primary that saw lots of extreme campaign ads and stunts, including one Republican state senator who drove around a so-called deportation bus. Cagle and Kemp made it to a runoff, and then secret recordings emerged where Cagle was on tape allegedly admitting to passing a bill that hurt a primary opponent and criticized GOP primary voters. The problem is, in a primary, 
and you and I are just talking off the record, Frank. They don't give a shit about those things. Okay? In the general life, they care about it. Okay? But they don't care about it in a primary. This primary felt like it was who had the biggest gun, who had the biggest truck, you know, and who could be the craziest. That included Kemp, who played up his conservative background, featuring explosions. I'm Brian Kemp. I'm so conservative. I blow up government spending. Guns. I own guns that no one's taking away. My chainsaw's ready to rip up some regulations. And immigration. I got a big truck. Just in case I need to round up criminal illegals and take them home myself. Yep, I just said that. I'm Brian Kemp. If you want a politically incorrect conservative, that's me. And then a week before the runoff, an out-of-the-blue Trump tweet ensured the game would stay in Kemp's favor. Now, Kemp is in a runoff with Casey Cagle for the Republican nomination. So does President Trump's endorsement help or hurt? Brian Kemp has been declared the winner in the race for the Republican candidate for governor. His opponent, Casey Cagle, conceded just after 8.30 tonight. Only later did we learn Sonny Perdue and his cousin, then-Senator David Perdue, helped convince Trump to make that endorsement. Now let's skip ahead a little further to the 2018 election, specifically in the days after. It's a bitter fight that centers on how our votes are counted, with a sitting Secretary of State in charge of the voting system narrowly defeating a black voting rights advocate calling for changes to the system. That was Kemp versus Abrams part one in a very hotly contested election. Georgia had outdated voting machines, overcrowded polls in Metro Atlanta had problems in long lines, and there were questions, some legitimate, others more fanciful, about how the outcome was reached. Days after the election, after every vote was counted, and after some lawsuits successfully added more votes to the total, Abrams issued a blistering concession speech. In it, she acknowledged she would not be governor, but refused to call it a concession. But to watch an elected official who claims to represent the people in this state baldly pin his hopes for election on the suppression of the people's democratic right to vote has been truly appalling. So let's be clear, this is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. As a woman of conscience and faith, I cannot concede that. But my assessment is the law currently allows no further viable remedy. Now, I could certainly bring a new case to keep this one contest alive, but I don't want to hold public office if I need to scheme my way into the post. Because the title of governor isn't nearly as important as our shared title, voters. Since that time, over the last three years, Abrams has become a Democratic rising star. She launched a national political group, Fair Fight, that deals with voting rights, the census, and redistricting. In 2019, she delivered the response to Trump's State of the Union address. For seven years, I led the Democratic Party in the Georgia House of Representatives. I didn't always agree with the Republican speaker or governor. But I understood that our constituents didn't care about our political parties, they cared about their lives. So when we had to negotiate criminal justice reform or transportation or foster care improvements, the leaders of our state didn't shut down. We came together and we kept our word. It should be no different in our nation's capital. We may come from different sides of the political aisle, 
but our joint commitment to the ideals of this nation cannot be negotiable. Abrams was courted by Democratic presidential campaigns as Atlanta hosted a primary debate, floated as a potential vice presidential pick for Joe Biden, and maintained the national profile as a progressive champion for voting rights, even spending time on book tours. After her narrow loss in 2018, Democrats continued to build out infrastructure in the state and set their sights on 2020. And when both U.S. Senate seats were on the ballot, some asked her to run. Decision day for Stacey Abrams. The former gubernatorial candidate teased a possible Senate run, but within the past hour, she announced that she would not run for the seat. Let's be clear. I will do everything in my power to ensure Georgia elects a Democrat to the United States Senate in 2020. Pundits said it was a death knell for Democrats' chances to win against David Perdue and gave Biden little chance of winning the state against Trump. But Democratic organizing, a growing distaste of Trump, and a few last-minute rallies from Biden and Obama. Georgia could be the state. Georgia could be the place where we put this country back on track, and not just because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have a chance to win Georgia, but you've got the chance to flip two Senate seats. I said, well, I got to go. I got to come. Helped turn the peach state a little more purple. A rematch between Kemp and Abrams seemed inevitable. So when she finally launched her campaign last week, all eyes were on the message she put out. While my jobs have changed, what I know to be true has not. Our values are still strong. No matter where we come from in Georgia or how long we've been here, we believe in this place and our people. Folks who deserve to be seen and heard and have a voice. Because in the end, we are one Georgia. Regardless of the pandemic or the storms, the obstacles in our way or the forces determined to divide us. It's still the same progressive Stacey Abrams, but the tone is laser-focused on Georgia, specifically outside the metro Atlanta area. She calls for a unified Georgia. But if our Georgia is going to move to its next and greatest chapter, we're going to need leadership. I think you'd make a really good governor. All you gotta do is stay tough and stay brave. Thank you. <laughs> leadership that knows how to do the job. Leadership that doesn't take credit without also taking responsibility. Leadership that understands the true pain folks are feeling and has real plans. That's the job of governor, to fight for one Georgia, our Georgia. And now it's time to get the job done. It would be an epic showdown between Kemp and Abrams, and it likely still will be. But then of course, there's Trump. For a year, he has attacked Kemp because Kemp didn't overturn the election. Because Trump lost Georgia, several Republicans are running in his image and with his blessing. And because Democrats won both Senate seats, David Perdue has some time on his hands. The GOP in Georgia is already fractured over Trump's role in the party's future, and the former president's meddling in this race turns that fracture into a chasm that threatens to swallow everything whole. For weeks, there have been rumors Purdue would get into the race, so Kemp secured more endorsements, raised more cash, and readied his attacks for when the time came. 
Monday morning, the former senator officially entered. I'm David Perdue. I'm running for governor to make sure Stacey Abrams is never governor of Georgia. Make no mistake, Abrams will smile, lie, and cheat to transform Georgia into her radical vision of a state that would look more like California or New York. To fight back, we simply have to be united. Unfortunately, today, we're divided, and Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger are to blame. Look, I like Brian. This isn't personal. It's simple. He has failed all of us and cannot win in November. Instead of protecting our elections, he caved to Abrams and cost us two Senate seats, the Senate majority, and gave Joe Biden free reign. Think about how different it would be today if Kemp had fought Abrams first instead of fighting Trump. Kemp caved before the election, and the country is paying the price today. It's time for a change. If our governor was ever going to fight for us, wouldn't he have done it already? Does Purdue have a platform beyond beating Stacey Abrams and attacking Brian Kemp? Here's more of his ad. Completely eliminate the state income tax. It's time. Make our cities and states safe again. Take charge of our schools. Put parents in charge, not the woke left. Fight Biden's overreaching mandates like Florida's doing instead of caving to liberals in the city. And let me be very clear. Over my dead body, will we ever give Stacey Abrams control of our elections again? It's an ambitious, sweeping proclamation, ending with some aggressive language that's a bit of a dog whistle, considering people literally did die at the U.S. Capitol when thousands launched an insurrection to overturn the election results. And Stacey Abrams has never been in charge of elections in Georgia, despite how convincing Purdue may sound. Hours later, the inevitable Trump endorsement came, which attacked Kemp and Abrams, and continued to make false claims of fraud about the 2020 election. Trump's looming presence opens the doors for Democrats to have a good chance at winning the state, despite a poor national outlook. So far, the Purdue campaign seems to be premised on attacking a popular conservative incumbent and embracing discredited claims of voter fraud. On Sean Hannity Monday night, Purdue gave his first interview. He rehashed the same talking points in his campaign video and indicated he's going to continue to make misleading and false claims questioning Georgia's election system. No, and, and look, Stacey Abrams on her side complained about the election. We've seen irregularities in this election. What the people of Georgia want is voter integrity. They want to know in our democracy when they vote, it's going to count and not be stolen. The Republican Party is divided over Trump and has lost power by looking backwards and a demographically changing Georgia is voting increasingly for Democrats to represent them moving forward. All of these things are coming to a head in 2022, especially with a Georgia gubernatorial race, and we'll be there chronicling everything that happens in between. Next week, we get to our discussion about lawsuits in Georgia, from elections to vaccines and more. Battleground Ballot Box is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Our editor is Wayne Drash, our producer is Jess Mador, our engineer is Jesse Neiswanger, who also wrote our theme music. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening.
DBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access Line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24-7. More information at opioidresponse.info.